It is Locked On Jazz for the 17th of June. Brand color day! Woohoo! Plus, it's Ask LOJ, and you guys are amazing. Where does Steph Curry rank all time? Is Donovan a top 10 player? Why are we trying to train Rudy? And can we get enough to rebuild our franchise? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast of the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much for making Locked On Jazz Your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcast providers as well as on YouTube. Thanks very much. Please subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Follow. Do all those things. It's color day! Where my kids went to school, that was like the end of the school when they were in elementary school. The kind of end of the day, fun day. Color day! Color day! It's kind of our color day, our brand color day. Um, I got the purple on as tribute. I don't know anything, but I do know, unless the internet is fooling me, that the note in front of the arena was painted purple yesterday. I actually know nothing more than all of you. I've seen all the mock-ups, all the stuff. You guys have been amazing. There's a woman, I think McCoy, who does all sorts of crazy stuff out there. There's a bunch of great graphic artists who've been playing with us. I'm going to kind of be bummed when it's over, because whether it's Reddit or Twitter or whatever else, you guys have been amazing. It is, um, I'll say this. I'm really glad to have direction. Um, and I, it, it does seem um, super important uh, to all the fans, which it should be. It's our colors. It's our brand. It's what we look like. Um, for me, I do kind of fall into the camp of like, we've been Skittles. And if you've followed Locked on Jazz for a long time, one of the things I always wanted was once we went to that city uniform that I actually wanted that to become our colors. I had said, like, let's make that our colors. And the reason was, honestly, is because I just didn't know what our colors were. Like, it, they weren't blue, gold, and white. Like, that, that just, if you asked anyone what the Utah Jazz were, they never once said blue, gold, and white. And that's yet kind of what we were. And so, when we did the city colors, I was really pro. Like, let's just go. Like, dive in. Make this our color. It's unique. It's different. No one else has them. This can be who we are. I get it. It's Southern Utah not Utah. And so there's an argument against it. And I would guess also that those colors don't play well in some marketing standpoint. So we find out our new colors today. It's kind of great. Exciting. So I wore the purple today. Uh, I don't know. We have not been purple in so long. If we're purple again, that's kind of cool because it has been, um, I don't think Darren and Carlos ever were purple. Kind of crazy. All right. Uh, let's, so today is ask LOJ. Uh, you guys are doing an amazing job with that. So let's load that up. Take your questions. By the way, some people might actually be getting this twice because there was a false alarm live show. I hit the wrong button, but I learned how to um, actually learned how to go live off our OBS system, which I didn't know I could do. So maybe bringing back some live shows again, um, and then I'll have to figure out how I can interact and chat and do all sorts of other things while we're live. Uh, Riker Wright, super name. By the way, I'm going to let you know how to win a. Um, Arcade 1-Up is giving away three NBA Jam Shack machines. 
So stay tuned. Later in the show, I'm going to let you know how to win one of the Arcade One NBA Jam. Boom, shakalaka. NBA Jam Shack Machines later in the show. All right, Greiker Wright, still a great name. Where's Curry on your all-time player list after his performance in these playoffs? So, it's really hard to start narrowing down, like, where do you put him? But I think you can, at this point, decide. One, one, there's going to be one part of this I don't think people like. That since, 70, since 80, so for the last 42 years, 79, 80, that there have been Larry and Magic... Michael, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, and Steph Curry, right? That those seven are really the ear. So Magic and Larry rolls into Michael as the greatest player in the world, rolls into Duncan as the greatest player in the world, Rolls into LeBron as the greatest player in the world. Rolls into Curry. I feel like I'm missing one. I thought there were seven. And I just came up with six, the way I said it. So maybe it's it. It's those six. Kobe's seven. I don't have him on that. I don't have him there. I just, maybe I'm wrong. He's the single MVP. He's transcendent. He's an icon. Um, you know, I think Allen Iverson has a really important place in the history of the game as well. Um, but I, I just, you know, there've been single MVPs. Harden was a single MVP. Durant's a single MVP. Derek Rose is a single MVP. Kobe, Nowitzki, Garnett, um, Shaq actually, Allen Iverson. So to me, it's those six. Steph is a revolutionary player in the history of the game. Now, if I got to start breaking down the six, I don't know what to do, but I think Steph's in the top five. I just don't know who I'm dropping. Because Steph is a revolutionary player in the history of the game. He's changed the entire way the game is played. He has won himself four titles. He's got himself two MVPs. He's, his resume is now there. Then you talk about his impact on the game and, and all the other aspects. And I think you have you know truly one of the five best players in the last 40 years. What resonates me to me the most is the comment Steve Kerr made last night where Steve Kerr says that it's with the humility of Tim Duncan and Steph Curry. Steph Curry has to be the greatest teammate you've ever played with. He makes the right play almost all the time. He wants to be, he wants to do the right thing. He seems to not have the, um, he, he seems to not have the, the kind of ego that gets in the way. He, he's truly amazing. Truly, truly amazing. And, and to me, I think there's something, everyone wants to play with Steph. Everyone loves to play with Steph. Duncan was the same way. The humility of those two stars. And you wonder whether or not the Ja Morants, Donovan Mitchells, Trey Youngs, um, Luka Doncic's um, of this league, the next rising set of stars, do th- can they see that? In, a, in an era which tells them everything else, right? An era that 
brings them up through the AAU system as the next greatest thing, puts them in college, now gives them nil, has them being on the top of the spotlight, has them ready, mature and ready, but has them kind of in, has them building, being told all the time to put, you know, that their own team around them. They got to have their own people. Here's what it is to be an all-star. Like there's all these like inside the culture of the league, like to be an all-star, you got to have this and this and this, the cut, like, do, do, do these guys see what Steph and Tim Duncan did, how they maintained it, what it meant, how people wanted to play with them? Or do they see, frankly, you know, there's, there's the Chris Paul approach, which I think is different. It's probably not why he hasn't won a title, but it's there. Giannis, to me, falls a little bit under the Duncan-Steph camp, and maybe Giannis is the next one in this group. Jokic probably seems to be a perfectly fine teammate. I don't know enough. But I wonder whether or not that will resonate at all. All right, great question. Um, Let's go to the question everybody wants to ask. This is from CryptoBro20 or something. Why are the Jazz dead set on trading their best, most loyal player, for a much lower package versus trading their second blessed player who will likely not re-sign with the Jazz, who isn't nearly impactful for a much higher value package. Okay, so there's a lot laden in here, a lot of inaccuracies, but this is really the question I think every Jazz fan really wants to ask. He just did it in a much more, or he or she, I can't tell, just did it in a much more dramatic fashion. So first off, I don't know that the Jazz are dead set on that. The rumor, there are two players in the top 20 players that are in the NBA's top 20 that are legitimately capable of being talked about and being traded. Two. We happen to have them both. That's why I'm not sure I would trade either of them. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, There's a the Jazz have not had enough success. It, they've had their rumors about the two of them. The coach just left. Like, there's a reasonable phenomena going on that people think that Donovan or Rudy could be traded. The Jazz need to do something different. Like all, all these things. Now there was also an illegitimate element of this in February of, or January of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but understand that. So this is the first part of any of these conversations and any of these rumors you got to put in context that there's two players in the top 20 that are being discussed in the entire league. They just both happen to play for us. It's like Travis Slank, the Atlanta Hawks GM, kind of complained the other day that the Hawks are involved in every trade rumor. And they are because he's done such a great job of acquiring lots of talent that's all good in the draft that now the Hawks are the team that everyone looks at. Similar similar concept, right? He did a good job with Trey Young. He did a good job with DeAndre Hunter. He did a good job with Kevin Herter. He did a good job with uh, Kungo. And so they have too much pl- they have too much talent. So everyone's thinking they're going to make trades. So it's... So that's the first part. I don't know the Jazz are dead set on trading Rudy Gobert or dead set on trading Donovan Mitchell. I do think that Donovan Mitchell would probably yield a larger package than Rudy Gobert. And interestingly enough, I kind of actually think in the regular season, Rudy Gobert contributes to more wins. Which is weird, because that's contrary to what you'd expect. Now, you know, I don't know whether that's true. Do we know that Donovan is not likely to re-sign? Yeah. So there's another little minor piece of inaccuracy in there. We don't know that. Can we actually build a team for Donovan that makes him want to re-sign and that he wants to be like Dame? Right? Like, you know, I know Don's asked a lot of questions about Dame Lillard in his time. Like, when did he break through? How did he do? So that's a relevant person to him um, in the model. He also might want to go live somewhere else. Realize 
that, you know, all no none of these guys chose. Rudy has chosen with one contract to be here, really. They all got drafted here. They ended up here. And then they do. And that's no different than any other city, by the way. There's, you know, San Francisco is unique in the fact that Steph Curry has really made that his place. Championships help. Giannis won a championship in Milwaukee. That seems to be his place. There were some other unique circumstances there. But generally, no one's really, you know, people's don't usually stay where they get drafted because they didn't choose to be there. So, hey, I think there's some, there's a, the, the underlying thing on this that I would say is that I did have an experience in my career in which I covered the Seattle Mariners and Ken Griffey Jr. was kind of seemingly the guy that was going to stay and Alex Rodriguez was the shiny new toy and Ken Griffey Jr. started being kind of a problem and they traded Ken Griffey Jr. to turn it over to Alex Rodriguez and he promptly left two years later. Like, so I've been there, seen that, felt it. Uh, understand uh, what you're going with. All right, uh, we'll get back to more of your questions um, and reactions to all this. It is Locked on Jazz. Here is how you have a chance to win your Shaq NBA Jam. NBA Jam is back. Arcade One, the leader in home retro arcade games, is not only bringing back the best game ever, they made it bigger than ever with a wait Shaq edition. That's right. So you can jump clear across the floor. You can set the ball on fire. You can do all of it. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new leaderboards and making you more connected than ever. You can pre-order now at Arcade1Up.com. That's Arcade1Up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade1 is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $3.99. Check this out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to you, or a Locked On listener, at least. Enter a chance to win console for your man cave or person cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one up.com slash locked on. And you get till January 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack edition. All kind of great uh, right there for you. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have committed to not charging you more than MSRP and are going to make sure that you get the full experience of VIP. They're redoing the 4646 South State Street. So so if you're going to head down there to see the amazing Sonata, I'm driving it right now, it's just great. Or see the Palisade. Oh, so gorgeous. Get the zippy little Kona. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll set you up with a VIP meeting so you don't have to deal with the construction and all that. It's all there at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. There is no question what your second listen be. It's the ultimate mock draft. It is up. I'm Locked On NBA. Also search for the Ultimate Mock Draft feed and be there for you. It's an Odyssey Locked On production and it's kind of great. Not kind of great. It's super great. All right. Let's go back to your questions on Ask LOJ. Do you see Donovan being a top 10 player in the next couple of years? Is he good enough to build around completely by trading Rudy from Isaac? Do I see Donovan as a top 10 player in the MVP? Uh, as, uh, all right, so M- NBA MVP voting for 2022. Let's just look at like who those top 10 players were and then try to figure out whether... So we have Jokic, we have Embiid, we have Giannis, we have Steph, 
We have Luca. We have Tatum. I don't think. All right. So let can can Donovan surpass any of these? Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Luca, Tatum, Steph. I don't think so. LeBron still gets in there. Durant gets in there. That's eight. Devin Booker. It's a little bigger. John Morant. We're at nine. Can Donovan break into that next tier in there? So first off, super hard at 6-1. I don't doubt Donovan a whole lot, is I guess what I would say on this. Um, I um, I don't... Being 6-1 makes this hard. So John Morant gets in there, I think. Um, and I think holds... And then the question is whether Donovan, you know, like there's always the upstart that's in there. I don't know that Harden still makes that list. DeMar DeRozan was there this year. I'm not sure. Kawhi Leonard comes back next year. He probably gets in that list. Anthony Davis, does he ever return? Does Dame Lillard ever return? I would take Donovan getting there before Bradley Beal. I think he could still develop into that. Jimmy Butler. Does Trey Young get that? Like, I would say the same thing about Trey Young. Awfully hard at 6-1. Really, the next two guys to get in there are Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young. Depending where you put Devin Booker. Like, do you have Devin Booker just implanted in that top 10 now? Or is that a unique Chris Paul thing? So if we do it again, it's Embiid, Durant, or Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Durant, Steph, that's the five. I don't think there's any. LeBron still gets in there. I don't think there's any quibbling there. Six. Um, then I think Jaw probably is on his way. He was two seed. He's six four. Luca, there's eight. And so who are, does Kawhi comes back? He's probably nine if he's healthy. And then Anthony Davis, if he ever really plugs in, is ten. I don't think there's anyone in this draft that gets there. And then the question is whether, and Tatum is probably in there too. I don't think I said Tatum's name. And so then the question is, did Donovan get, does Donovan or Trey Young? So they're right on the edge of it. Hard at 6-1. Super, super hard at 6-1 would be my comment to that. From Matthew, is the new coach hire necessarily an indication of what the team plans to do with the roster? For example, a veteran coach, if they plan to make minor changes, or a young first-time head coach, if they plan to trade one or both? This is a fabulous question. I think this is the number one question in the front office right now. And I don't think they know the answer. And that's what I actually think makes this whole hiring process so crazy difficult. Is I don't think it is entirely clear to them where the roster is going. Because as we talked about earlier this week, it's a little bit of like taking two to tango. You, you can decide that you want to trade Donovan Mitchell. Or let's say, let's do the opposite. Let's say you decide you're not trading Donovan Mitchell. We're not trading Donovan. Oh, I'm sorry, you ordered, you you offered what? Oh, you, oh, oh, you, you're willing to give us that. Oh, well, yeah, then we're trading Donovan Mitchell. Like, you could decide you're trading Rudy Gobert, and then, you're, huh? Well, that's all? Wait, what? Like, 
Hmm. So there's a little bit of the market and the takes two to tango is going to dictate a little bit whether or not you go the places you think you're going to go with your trade market. And then you also might decide you don't want to trade either of them. We're not trading either. We're getting a veteran coach. Oh, wait, you have what? You're offering me what for Rudy? Right? So, like, there's a moment in time where as a franchise, you can't be negligent if you get an offer. And but I and, and Annie said it in our interview at utahjazz.com of, like, it's a little unclear where we're going as a franchise. And I think that makes it hard to figure out where you're coaching. Like, both Doc Rivers and Brad Stevens needed a little time when they became head coaches at Boston and they got a little time and then they got great. Like if we were to hire Will Hardy, who's a super interesting, young, super young, really, really bright assistant coach at Boston with this team, like this, can he hold them captive or does that actually force your move? I think this is a great question, Matthew. Or do you hire Terry Stotts kind of with the intention that he's, holding you through a period at 62 years old and then you're hiring your next guy? Or is someone like Charles Lee just special? Or is Alex Jensen just special? Or is Johnny Bryant just special? I have a tendency to not talk about Johnny Bryant and Alex Jensen because I know them both and I don't want to sound like I'm a shill for both of them, but I'm a huge fan of both of them. Um, so I'm, I'm all, you know, does Alex Jensen command the room because he's been there? Does Johnny Bryant... Under this circumstance, Matthew, is there a chance that Alex Jensen or Johnny Bryant are actually the perfect ones to bridge this because they actually know everyone, they hold the room already, they have the relationships, and then they're both also young and developing coaches if we turn the corner in a year. I've been a proponent of the idea that we try to add to this with some sort of significant piece, take a run again, see whether or not we break through, Donovan gets older and develops, Rudy gets older and develops, new piece to the puzzle. And then if we don't, then you unleash it all and you move them all in a year. And you get your trade value from that. Could a new coach use a similar scheme to Team France to make Rudy more of a two-way threat like he is in the Olympics? Or is there something specific about FIBA that can't translate to the NBA to untap that potential? Another super question. Ask LOJ has rocked the last two weeks on Fridays. We'll continue to do it. So, yes, the quality of the opponent. Like, go watch who Rudy's posting up. And there are some defensive things that are different, and the game's a little different, and the, hex, the lane's different. But really, who's Rudy posting up in those circumstances that allows for him to get that deep, how deep he's getting, and what is it? Because the Jazz would love to have posted up Rudy more this season and gotten the ball down low and deep and have him play back to the basket, but he's not very good at it. Like his numbers aren't great. You know, if you, I I don't have Rudy's post-up numbers. He improved a significant deal in his three to eight foot shooting that he, from what he did a year prior, if you look at his, this, this year from three to 10 feet, he shot 46%, which is much improved from where it was because it was at 29%. So Rudy's made, mammoth strides to get better in that area. But if you pull up Rudy's post-up numbers, I I don't think they're good. And so I do think, yes, the FIBA answer to that question is a little bit that it's coming in a circumstance in which you're playing against smaller opponents with some different rule changes, and it's unique. We 
Could we do it more? Sure, we didn't not post up Rudy. We just didn't post up anyone. Rudy on post-ups this year um, turned it over 18% of the time, went to the free throw line 43% of the time, shooting foul 29% of the time, scored 57% of the time. Shot 12 of 21 on post-ups this year, which isn't terrible. It's a vast improvement. I would guess that if we looked at Rudy a year ago, again, he got much, much better at this than he did um, and has improved with the work of Alex Jensen, Vince LaGarza, and other jazz assistant coaches. And so he did improve a great deal at this. His two years ago, he was 8 of 21. So give Rudy a great deal of credit uh, for that. It is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for making us your first listen of the day. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net. Your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest developments, news, and odds, including this year's uh, hockey championship. Time to start watching hockey. Major League Baseball, of course, all the fighting news, MMA and UFC. Big UFC fight coming to uh, Vivint Arena. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about trends. Bet Online. Where the game starts. I don't think they have the NBA futures up. Keep an eye on Locked On at Locked On Net. We'll see whether or not we... Um, oh, we do. Here are the NBA odds to win a championship. Golden State's plus 450. Boston's plus 650. Clippers are plus 750. I made the comment the next time we saw the Clippers, they'd be the favorite. Milwaukee plus 750. Brooklyn plus 800. Phoenix plus 900. Dallas plus 1,200. Miami plus 1,400. Where are the Jazz? Memphis plus 1,600. Philadelphia 1,600. Then Denver. Then the Lakers. Then the Pelicans. Then the Timberwolves. And then the Jazz. Go put it down. If you think the Jazz are going the title, 4,000 to 1 right now for you. That is all at betonline.net. Thanks for making... Making Locked On your first listen of the day. We will have the ultimate mock draft for you. Make sure you grab a hold of that. Let's continue with the questions today. At what dollar amount would you consider Rudy's contract to be a negative value, if any? Seems like a lot of media comment that the back end of his contract makes him less appealing of a, to trade valuable assets for. I don't know why the back end is any worse than it is right now, honestly. Um, I'm not sure I follow that. Uh, the cap is going up. The cap is going to go way up on their new TV deal. Um, So that doesn't necessarily um, make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Rudy, I mean, it does increase, right? So it's a a deal that heads, they didn't flatten this deal out. It's 38.1, 41, 43.8, and then Rudy has a player option for 46.6. It's a lot. It's a huge commitment to a player that has limitations. He's also the best defensive player in the world, and I feel like the minute he's on your roster, you win 50 games. Um, so, you know, it goes a little bit both ways. But that would be why, because it does escalate. Now, I also think the caps can escalate at that rate, um, and so it shouldn't be that kind of a problem. What kind of head coach is more important to the playoffs, a motivator or a game plan guy? Ryan, this is a super question, but I'm not going to give you the answer you want. The answer is the one with the player, right? Like, the best players. Like, Emma Udoka did a great job in the playoffs. He did a super, super job. Jason Tatum elevated his game to superstardom. That's, now, did he fabric? Did he do something to allow that to happen? 
Maybe. Steph Curry, Steve Kerr's great. But even Steve Kerr said it last night on the podium. I think Steve Kerr, as Danny said in our interview, deals with chaos very, very well and has had more of it in Golden State than people realize. But he said, you know, I hang around with superstars. Steph's, Steph's special. Um, you know, I actually argue sometimes that I think that play, regular season coaches who are super prepared in the regular season have a bigger impact than play, coaches do in the playoffs because at some point in the playoffs over seven games, it's just whose team's better. Like, that's what happened. Like, I thought the Warriors had a, the Celtics had a better roster than the Celtics. I was wrong. The Warriors are just a better team. Like, when you beat a team three times in a row, at that point, you're just a better team. You figured them out. Did they figure them out with some strategy and technique and, and, and this? Maybe, but I think most coaches in this league are so great. What they really figured them out with was unbelievable players. Todd says... Quinn had two playmaking guards at all time. If we trade Mac, Mike Conley, for length, isn't that a pick your poison length on D over playing playmaking on offense? What would you choose? I mean, I think anytime you're trading anything, you're picking your poison, right? We went from defense to offense. Um, Steve Curry last night with Scott Van Pelt really clearly said, I think if you're going to win in this league, you have to be great defensively, which is an interesting kind of telling comment to with the greatest offensive player in the world, that they really built their team believing they have to be great defensively to be able to win. We we kind of did the opposite. We tried to be great offensively with the greatest defensive player in the world. Um, so, yeah, there's certainly a trade-off there, but I, I don't know that I think you can win with two 6-1 guards as much as they might be playmaking. I think Terry Stotts kind of learned that a little bit, and Dame and CJ are bigger than 6-1. You know, a 6-1 shooting guard is what we have Donovan Mitchell as. That's hard to win with. There's not a lot of track record of a 6-1 shooting guard. Quinn early on said they thought Donovan Mitchell was very similar to Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson would be close to a 6-1 shooting guard who won. And that would be the last one you can find. Um, It's a very hard thing to do. CJ McCollum 6-3, I think, was basically a 6-3 shooting guard and Portland had all sorts of problems with that. So... You know, I do think it is a pick your poison. And if we trade Mike Conley and if Joe Ingles is obviously gone and Donovan is our primary playmaker, you know, we really end up with a very, the new coach is going to have to build a really different system and style than the multiple playmakers, multiple pick and rolls, multiple actions from different sides. We kind of got away from it anyway, but that, that'll be a big challenge for them as we do things. Will trading Mike Conley yield enough to return to make the team a contender if the Jazz are keeping both Rudy and Donovan? That is the, Edwin, is a million-dollar question. Um, you know, can the Jazz, without trading Rudy and Donovan, adjust enough chairs around the platform that they be, it becomes a better show? Like, whether that's Jordan, Boyan, Mike, Royce, whatever it is, future picks, we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot of assets. Do we have the capability of without trading Don and Rudy to be able to get better? And then that's where it gets you into the desperate situation feeling of if we answer that's no, then are we forced to trade Don and Rudy? Like if you're running around the league right now, I mean, that's if I'm in their shoes, the first thing you're doing is you're running around the league right now trying to do exactly this, Edwin, which is try to figure out how can I make this team better without trading Don and Rudy. But then what happens if I run around the league and I can't? Then is my do I have to then trade Don and Rudy? And then the unfortunate thing about that is you're actually not dictating your own moves. The market's dictating your moves, and that's that's not what you want to do. 
Uh, you mentioned Dave Yeager is a good coaching hire on today's episode. Yesterday's episode being considered, he's got throat cancer, unfortunately, and he would be a great coach. He's a super coach. Uh, we wish him the best, but he is battling throat cancer, so I don't think he's going to be the choice. How easy do you think it would be for the Jazz to acquire a mid or early second round pick? I suspect they will do so. Somebody will have a pick they want to move um, and not want to take, and the Jazz will get into the draft would be my guess. Um, They also kind of need it from roster construction standpoints. However, draft picks, there's a league rule that says you can only pay $3 million for a pick. Draft picks value far exceed $3 million now. So the old days of buying the 27th pick to draft Rudy Gobert is almost over because the pick is worth more than $3 million and you can only pay $3 million for it by league rules. And so now you are into this game of buying mid to second round picks, which have kind of escalated to, I think someone paid 2.3 last year. Maybe someone even paid three. So that's, if you're buying in on a pick like that, that's kind of the way to do it. Last year, the average age of the Jazz roster was 30. Do you expect the average age to decrease this season? If so, how much? Um, also, do you play the trade machine game? Yeah, of course I do. I actually do it on the show almost every day with you guys now. I've just decided it's all what's going on. Uh, I think the roster will be much younger because if we do make a trade and acquire a third piece, we're going to have to fill in with a lot of bottom pieces in the process. So I suspect that we're going to be a much younger roster. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Great weekend. We'll be back with you Tuesday. Monday is Juneteenth. We'll honor that. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Uh, Back with you Tuesday. We'll be breaking down coaches, looking at rosters, and talking more about it and getting ready for the draft. In the meantime, go listen to the ultimate mock draft. Have a good one. See you.